0: How many of you find it challenging to slow your mind? Anyone like that? Some of you have missed that start because your mind is already somewhere else. Because you have difficulty slowing your mind. It is a challenge that many of us face The challenge of slowing our minds. Solomon experienced this and explained it this way in Ecclesiastes 2, verses 22 and 23. He wrote, For what hath man of all his labor and the vexation of his heart? Some describe what Solomon says there as the vexation of his heart as anxious striving for what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun for all his days are sorrows and his travail grief yea read the next statement with me would you Yea, His heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Vexation of heart, His heart taketh not rest in the night, even in the night time. It is difficult for many to slow our minds. We all experience this phenomenon and it affects us in different ways. Because we struggle to slow our minds, we struggle to be present in the moment. How many of you can consistently stay present and focused where you are in the present, in the moment? Often we struggle with this we, we struggle to be present in the moment we, we are already on to the next thing in our minds We've got this before us We should be doing this We are trying to do this But our mind is already going different directions We're already thinking about the, the things to come We're already thinking about what's next And what I need to get to And how I need to get this done So I can get on to that We struggle to be present in the moment. We find it difficult to carry on and maintain conversations. How many times have you been staring at someone, looking at them in the eye, and they are talking to you, and if you were honest, you're not catching a word they're saying because your mind is somewhere else. Oh, the the words are hitting your ear You are hearing them, and they may stop. It might be your spouse. And they say, are you listening? And you say, yeah. And you might even be able to repeat something they just said, but it really hasn't registered at all. Why? Because your mind is somewhere else. We jump from one thing to the next to the next. To the next. How many of you have ever found yourself, you start something and then something else gets your attention and you go to do that thing and then you go to do that thing and you go to do that thing and you forget about what you were originally doing? Why? Because we struggle to slow our mind. And then. We find it impossible to experience undistracted time with God. Does anyone know that to be true? Why? Because we find it challenging to slow our minds. We have a lot on our minds. I have found it difficult at times to say hello to people and just ask how they're doing because so often for years I've gotten the same answer. Busy. Doing good, but it's been busy. It is busy. It will be busy. Busyness is, seems to be the, the standard of our lives. We have a lot on our minds. And this is why. This passage right at the end of Luke chapter 10 means so much to our lives and our relationships with God. Look with me at Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he, Jesus this is, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things but one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her In the text Martha represents the one that Solomon wrote about with vexation of heart Jesus described her as careful And troubled. This word careful translates a Greek word that is used 19 times in the New Testament that means to be anxious. Martha, you're careful, not you're cautious, not you're you're making sure that you're doing a good job. No, you're anxious. In Matthew chapter 6, this word appears six times where Jesus said to his disciples that they should take no thought for their lives, stature, clothing, sustenance, or future. All things that I would wager most of us have been anxious about it one time or another. It's also the same word that appears in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 where Paul writes, be Careful for nothing. And then Jesus told Martha, You're troubled. This is the only time this particular Greek word is used in the entire New Testament, and it means disturbed. Martha was disturbed in her spirit, in her soul, with all the toil and the work that she had taken onto herself. The noun form of this verb that's used of Martha is used several times in the New Testament. And it means a disturbance. It is used in passages where the Bible speaks of crowds of people being in an uproar or being in a tumult. So you can imagine in Martha's heart, in her mind, in her spirit, there was this uproar, there was this tumult. Martha struggled to slow her mind. She was anxious, she was disturbed. She was one who struggled with that constantly jumping from one thing to the next, what she needed to do. I can imagine Martha at times laid awake at night thinking about what was still undone and how the next day would go. this is a part of what Martha was as a person. It was something that she struggled with. She had a lot on her mind. Can you relate to Martha? You read this passage, and you know this passage, and you go, yeah, I can relate to Martha. This is a struggle in my life. This is something that I find it difficult to do. If you can relate to Martha, then this message is for you today. The message's title is Slow Down. Now, I know what some of you are already thinking, if you're actually still with me. You're thinking, yeah, right, pastor, slow down. What's that? I've never experienced that. I don't know what that means. Or how, how does one slow down? Like, what is that? And we start going through some maybe typical things. Like, okay, well, you're talking about taking a vacation. Pastor, if I'm going to slow down, I'm going to have to quit my job and move into a cardboard box. Slow down. Any of those things, that's what that means. But that's not what I'm talking about today. We are talking about purposefully carving out time to spend with God. I want you to think for a few moments with me about... Jesus do you think that Jesus throughout the time of his ministry had a lot on his mind I mean think about it he was the son of God who left the glories of heaven came to this world humbled himself to be in the form of a servant he laid aside Or at least veiled his glory that he might become a man. And he experienced all the infirmities of humanity apart from sin. Jesus knew what it was to be tired. Jesus knew what it was to be stressed. Jesus knew what it was to be anxious. Jesus knew what it was was to be troubled. Jesus regularly had a lot on his mind. Think about it during his ministry. He regularly had people coming and going looking for healing, looking to be taught, looking to receive something from his hand. He had 12 hard-headed disciples that he was trying to teach and train. All the while, he knew God's ultimate purpose and mission for him. And at this point in his ministry, his face was set as a flint toward Jerusalem, knowing what he was going to do. And those hard-headed disciples whom he told again and again and again, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to take me, they're going to beat me, they're going to crucify me, three days later I'm going to rise again, said, no, not so, Lord. Jesus had a lot on his mind. The Bible tells us that he regularly had people coming and going to the point he didn't even have time to rest or to eat. Mark chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus said unto them, His disciples, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. Why? For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Have you ever had a day that was so busy you didn't take time for lunch? like maybe you were working at your job you had a project going you had meetings back to back to back and you you just didn't even take time for lunch and you got to the end of the day and it's it's time to go home and it's time to get dinner and you suddenly realize i haven't even had lunch today do you know what that experience is jesus did Jesus when he healed that woman With the issue of blood you remember She came up behind him she touched The hem of his cloak because he's on the way to heal Jairus and the Bible tells us That Jesus said who touched me and his Disciples are going what do you mean everybody's Bumping up against you in this crowd and Jesus Said no I felt power I felt Virtue go out of me Do you think that all that work Wore Jesus Out Warmed out I believe it did. Jesus had a lot on his mind, but still, still, Jesus often stepped away to get alone with God. Mark 1, verses 35 to 37, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, and and when they had found him, they said unto him, what? All men, seek thee. Jesus, everybody is looking for you. But still he took time to step away and get alone with God. Have you experienced this? This idea of everybody seems to want you? If you're a parent, you know exactly what this is like. You've probably had the same experience my wife and I have had. You can't go to use the bathroom without being interrupted, without someone knocking on the door, crying out. It seems like as soon as you get into the bathroom and close the door, somebody is screaming, somebody is dying, someone is crying out for mommy, for daddy. You can't even use the restroom without being interrupted. That happens. We know what this experience is in life. To have a lot on our minds, to have a lot going on, to be busy, and to struggle to slow down. Jesus knew that experience too, and yet he regularly stepped away to spend time with God. It happened at key times in his ministry. In Luke 4, we find it before starting his ministry. And you remember this, right? Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist. And Jesus, as he was raised back out of the water, there was this voice from heaven, God the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Jesus hadn't even done any ministry yet. Jesus hadn't done a miracle. Jesus hadn't preached a sermon yet. But God was pleased with him. But Jesus didn't leave the the river and go immediately and start ministry. What did he do? He was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't go on a diet. He got away to spend time with the Father. In Luke 6, we find Jesus doing this before making important decisions. Stepping away and getting alone with God. Matthew 14, after a long, hard day of work, Jesus got alone with God. In Luke chapter 5, after ministering to lots and lots of people, Jesus stepped away to get alone with God. In Matthew chapter 14, after losing a close friend, Jesus stepped away to get alone with God. But many of us struggle to follow Jesus in this. The reality of our lives is that we are much more often like Martha than like Mary. If this is true of you, then there are some lessons from this account that we need to think about. Number one is this. You need to fill up to continue to pour out. You need to fill up To continue to pour out. What's going to happen with this water bottle? If I begin pouring it into this water bottle? What's going to happen? Yeah, that water is going to flow from one into the other. And eventually, this other bottle is going to be empty, right? And do you know that this is the way so many of us live our lives? There's so much on your minds... So much on your hearts So much going on You're so busy that you are constantly Pouring out But if you don't learn If I don't learn how to slow down To step away To get alone with God You're going to pour out And pour out and pour out And eventually You won't be able to pour out anymore Because you'll be empty You need to fill up to continue to bore out. What was true of Martha in our text? Martha was busy serving, right? She was doing. And she had good intentions. She desired to be a good hostess to meet the needs of Jesus. But she allowed it to get out of balance. Notice what Jesus told her in the immediate aftermath of revealing her anxiety and the disturbance of her life. In the first part of verse number 42, Jesus said this, one thing is what? One thing is what? Needful. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? We like to talk about needs in our lives. I need this, I need that, I need to do this, I need to do that. Martha, in her mind and in her heart, I need to get up, I need to go to the kitchen, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to meet this need of Jesus, I need to meet that need of Jesus, I need to do this, I need to do that, and on and on and on and on it went. And Jesus stopped her and said, Martha, you're anxious, you're disturbed about so many things. There is this uproar, there's this tumult in your life. You've not learned to slow your mind down. You've not learned to step away and shut it all off. But there is only one thing that's needful, that's necessary. Ultimately, it is the one necessity. What is the one necessity? One commentator wrote it this way, If we would be strong for service and the strength that prevents distraction and unrest, we must know what it is to find time amid all the duties of life to sit at his feet. as his disciples the psalmist understood the importance of this remember what he penned which were actually the direct words of God in Psalm 46 Psalm 46 verse 10 you can probably quote it be still and know that I am God Notice, he didn't say be busy and know that I'm God. Be working and know that I'm God. Be this and be that and know that I'm... No, he said be still. The word still here is an interesting word. It literally means to slacken. In other uses in the Old Testament, it is translated be idle. To let go to let alone, to forsake. You know what God is saying? There are some things that you're going to have to release your hold on. There are some things that you're going to need to be a little more slack about. There are some things you're going to have to let go of. There are some things that you're going to have to let alone at least for a time so that you can know me so that you can know that I am God. The idea in the positive way that God used it is that you will consciously let go of other activities and distractions so that you can be idle in God's presence. The reality is, some of us have been saved a long time. Some of us have been followers of Jesus for a long time and we have rarely if ever experienced this. Prioritize getting close to God. What does that mean? To do this you have to intentionally slow down Listen, friend, you cannot busy yourself to God. You can't just continue to take on and take on and take on and think that you can busy your way to God. That's not how it works. God said you have to be still. How do you do this? Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus said this, But thou, when thou prayest, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast, what? Shut thy door. Do you know what that is? That's letting go of some other things. That's purposefully making up your mind, determining, I'm going to put some things away aside for now. I'm going to shut everything else out. So that I can get alone with God. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Martha was careful and troubled. She was anxious. She was disturbed. Her life was in a tumult and an uproar. She could not slow down. But Jesus told her one thing's needful. You're pouring out, you're pouring out, you're pouring out. But if you're going to continue to pour out, you need to be filled. Slow down. Prioritize time with God. Number two is this. First was you need to fill up to continue to pour out. Number two is this. Being close to God requires your choice and follow through. What did Jesus say about Mary? In verse 42, after he told Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, he said this, and Mary hath what? Chosen that good part. Now recognize that God, that Jesus was not rebuking Martha's choice as a bad choice, okay? This isn't a you should never serve, you should never do, you should never work, you should never accomplish. That's not what this is. Jesus was not saying, Martha, your choice to work and serve is bad. You shouldn't do that. Martha's service was not wrong. This wasn't a, Mary has done good, Martha, you've done bad. That's not what it was. But it was a, Mary has chosen the better of the two. Friends, do you realize today that you can be as close to God as you want to be? Do you know that that's true? God doesn't hold us at arm's distance. Making it somehow a crazy impossibility to get close to him. You can be as close to God as you want to be. You can know God. But you can also make excuses. But you cannot do both. You can know God. You can be as close to him as you want to be Or you can make all the excuses in the world For why you aren't or why you can't be But you can't do both You can't get close to God And also make the excuses What excuses Keep you from getting close Or closer to God What are the excuses in your life today Ultimately It is only our excuses that prevent us from getting close to God. Let's say that I felt distant and cold to my wife. We we were feeling distant from each other not because we were geographically separated, but you, you know what I mean, especially if you have been or are married. There should be an emotional connection, a spiritual connection, a physical connection. And that connection, if it is as it should be, will cause you to feel close, even if you are geographically distant from each other. But let's say that I was feeling distant from and cold toward Stephanie and perhaps she was feeling that way about me. What should I do about it? Well, I'll tell you this, desiring that it would be different wouldn't change it. If I just said, well, I I want it to be different, is that going to change anything? No. Telling her that I felt the way I did wouldn't change it. Stephanie, you know, I'm just feeling distant from you. I'm feeling cold towards you, and I just wanted you to know. That wouldn't change it. Knowing that I felt that way wouldn't change it. Man, you know, I, something's going on between me and Stephanie. You know what it is? I'm feeling distant from her and cold toward her. Wow, I know it. Praise, praise be, I know what it is. That wouldn't change it. Going on and hoping it would change wouldn't change it. You know, I'm distant from Stephanie. I'm not feeling close to her right now. And I'm feeling a little cold toward her. I'm just going to go on and hope that it changes. That's not going to work. Will it? Change would necessitate a choice followed by action. Remember this. This is true in a marriage. It's true in any human relationship. It is true in your relationship with God. Intimacy is not possible without intentionality. Intimacy is not possible without intentionality. If you want to be closer to God, you can be. You can be as close as you want to be to God, but it requires a choice followed by follow-through, action. So stop making excuses. Well I can't get close to God because Of all these things going on I can't get close to God because If I do what I need to to get close to God Then you know my, my work is going to suffer my, my marriage might suffer my, my children might suffer My family might suffer my, Whatever it is uh, You can make all the excuses if you want I, I'm too busy I've got too much going on I have too many other things on my mind There's too much distraction No stop making the excuses that's where you need to start. Make the decision to let go of what you need to let go of. And hey, you know, that may mean that there are some things you need to set aside. For some, that may mean you need to learn to say no. Anyone like that? You have trouble saying no. You say yes to everything and everyone. You might have to learn to say no at times. You might have to just learn how to stop worrying about how someone else will respond. I see that in the text, don't you? Martha, Jesus, Mary has left me to do this alone, and and you need to tell her to come help me. There may be times and situations where someone else won't understand your intentionality in carving out time to be alone with God. And that's okay. It may not be permanent in the sense of, it may not be that you need to let go of things permanently or say no permanently. But there may be times, and there should be each and every day, You have to learn to just let go of your grip on all the things. You have to shut the door to get alone with God. You need to make a plan. Is there going to be a specific time? A specific place? Tools and resources that you'll use You'll have to determine how to deal with distractions. How many of you use an electronic device when you read your Bible or when you're spending time with God? Anybody? Have you ever found yourself suddenly jumping from spending time to God to looking at sports scores or looking at the news or looking at the stocks or looking at surfing something online? Anybody? Am I the only one? Surfing social media. You get a notification and you just have to check it right now. You've not learned to slow down. You've not learned to let go You've not made a plan for how to deal with those distractions. I'm all for using your phone, using a tablet. We have more tools at our fingertips to get alone with God and study his word than any previous generation has ever had. You can download free Bible study software that has dozens of commentaries and lexicons and language tools, etc. But the reality is, even though we have that, I would dare say there have been a lot of previous generations who have been closer to God than what we are. You need to learn to let go to make that plan, and then you need to follow through. You have to just do it. Jesus said one thing is needful. It's difficult in this day and the place we live to slow down to let go to put the distractions aside but that's exactly what we need to do if we're going to know God be still and know that I am God and perhaps you think well this really isn't that meaningful to my life I'm good with where I'm at. I'm good doing what I'm doing and not doing what I'm not doing. I'm fine. Can I remind you what Jesus said as he prayed in John 17? Listen to this and let it sink in. Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, and this is life eternal. This is what eternal life is about. That they may what? Know Thee. the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You know what Jesus is saying? Life eternal. Eternal life is about knowing God. What is eternity going to consist of? I know you've given thought to eternity. Many of you have. What it's going to be like some of you have asked the question and given answers for yourself or from the word of God what is heaven going to be like what are we going to be doing in eternity I've had people ask me that man eternity is a long time what are we going to be doing we we might discuss things like serving God worshiping God amazing grace how does that last verse go when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Eternity, worshiping God. We could talk about these and a host of other activities and experiences that eternity will consist of. But here is one certainty, knowing God and Jesus. That's life eternal friend it can be difficult to slow our minds in this world quickly going from one thing to the next thing never-ending noise distractions are all over the place but you need to fill up so you can pour out you cannot busy yourself to god you need to be still prioritize getting close to god Remember, intimacy without intentionality is not possible. Stop making excuses. Make the decision about what you need to let go of. Make a plan and then follow through. In the coming week, I would encourage you, determine how you can intentionally slow down so you can get close to God. That should be a desire that we all have. You can be as close as you want to be. Do what you need to to experience it. There are some here and some listening on the internet who cannot drown out the noise or the distraction of this world to get close to God because you do not have a relationship with him at all. to you i would say god loves you and he knows you god loves you so much that he sent his holy son jesus into the world as a baby born to a virgin jesus lived 33 years the perfect life that you and i can't because we're sinners then at 33 years young he was tortured and nailed to a cross where he died the death that we all deserve because of our sin. He gave his life for you. He was buried. But then 3 days later he rose from the grave and he's alive today. He invites you into his family. And if you come to him trusting that he came and died for you, that he rose from you, for you, if you repent of your sin and turn to him, he will forgive you, wash you clean, make you a son or a daughter of God. You'll receive eternal life. Will you believe? Will you do it now? The invitation's open.